Welcome to Speaking of Service, the podcast that uncovers practical ways to grow service revenue, control costs, and improve customer satisfaction. If you're looking to innovate, gain a competitive edge, or just learn about the latest service trends, you've come to the right place. In today's episode, Chris Wolf, VP of Strategic Partnerships, joins Peter Barry, Product Management Director at Sanomatic, to discuss how the connected data streams from the Santa Trend system provides real value to customers and a new business opportunity for the company. Welcome back to Speaking of Service. Today, my guest Peter Barry is representing Sanomatic. This is a company from Wisconsin that got its start in the 1940s, welding, grinding, polishing stainless steel equipment for cleaning. Uh, across the dairy belt of Wisconsin. Well, today they're going across the cloud with software. You might say they're entering the Milky Way. I know that's a terrible pun, uh, but Peter, get me out of this mess. Tell me a little bit about yourself and the company you're here to represent. Sure, thanks for having me. So Sanomatic, uh, like you said, started in the 1940s and um, we do cleaning equipment for the food, beverage, personal care, uh, pharmaceutical companies today. Um, so that's cleaning in place, or we call it a lot of times CIP, or cleaning out of place equipment. Um, so think about your dishwasher at home. Uh, that's automating your, your cleaning of dishes after your Thanksgiving meal. Uh, so we take that and scale it up to a food processing or a pharmaceutical processing facility and uh, automate that, uh, doing away with a lot of the manual le uh, labor cleaning processes that they have to endure. So you make machines that people can bring stuff to to clean but I understand you also make equipment that goes to something that needs to be cleaned and does that cleaning in place. What do these machines look like? How big are they? How would I spot one if I was in a factory? Yeah, so they're, they're pretty big pieces of equipment. So the, the dishwasher at home, uh, a, a piece of equipment like that and the food processing equipment facility uh, might be 10, 15 feet high, wow. uh, 10, 15 feet long. So um, obviously when you're cleaning your dishes at home, it's on a pretty small scale. Uh, you think about all the food processing that's going on, you know, in the United States, across the country, uh, there's a lot of production going out there. So they have some pretty large pieces of equipment that are making a lot of uh, volume of whether it's food production or pharmaceutical production. So uh, think of that scaled up in, in a much larger size. Well, I'm thinking about the way I load the dishwasher and the way my kids load the dishwasher, very different. Uh, I imagine that you have recommendations for people on how to ass essentially load that dishwasher when they're going to clean something. We do, yeah, and we, t we try to take away the human error as much as possible. So um, like the dishwasher at home, uh, it's automated, it's a fully, you know, you press start and, and you come back and things are clean and they can be dry from our systems. Uh, but we take it a step further as well. So the rack you get at home on your dishwasher, uh, you might fight with your spouse on how to load this or how to load that or what's the optimal way to, to load your dishes. Uh, we try to take that error out of it so that we look at the process parts that the food processing facility or the pharmaceutical processing facility is actually using. And then we'll use 3D modeling software to custom design those racks. So if you have a specific part that you're washing, it's going in a specific part. Uh, that makes it very repeatable and a validatable process. But in order to create that repeatable process for a particular customer, you must have to do quite a bit of customization to accommodate the machines that they're using. We do, yeah. So, you know, no two food processing facilities are the same, same for pharmaceutical. Uh, so we customize to meet the, the process parts uh, and the, the room configurations, the layouts. You know, certain uh, facilities might have constraints on space. Uh, they might be retrofitting a, a plant and adding process production uh, capacity to it. So we might get a odd shaped layout or some sort of size constraint. So we're doing a lot of customization 
uh, both on the application and the, the actual facility space that's going into. So when one of your customers kits out one of their facilities with these cleaners, how long are those machines in place? And do they operate usually 24-7 or what's the cycle time? Yeah, it depends. Um, some plants are running it 24-7, you know, just, just uh, daily, uh, day in and out, three shifts. Um, some food processing plants might be running uh, two shifts of production and then they go into a cleaning shift. So eight hours a day, seven days a week. Um, so it really varies, but they are uh, using it quite a bit, um, you know, mo usually multiple hours per day, multiple days per week. Uh, as far as longevity, um, we like to think we have some of the better uh, long-lasting equipment in the industry, but um, you, know, you put something in, you can expect 10, 15, 20 years later, uh, as long as you uh, keep it up to date with maintenance and things like that, that it should be working still. Imagine it's very expensive to build one of these pieces of equipment and deploy it in a factory. How do your customers calculate the return on that investment? Yeah, that's a great question. So we uh, we obviously speak to that return on investment with our capital equipment. We understand it's an investment. Uh, we have tools. Our sales team has tools to help calculate that investment. Uh, we can also come on site ahead of time and, and watch their manual cleaning processes. And they might be using a certain labor headcount. Uh, we look how much water and chemical they're using, how much electricity they're using. And then we paint a picture or a scenario of what would it be like with our equipment. So usually we're, we're saving a lot of labor headcount, uh, a lot of water and chemical, uh, as well as time too. So time is one of the biggest, um, you know, return on investments. If a uh, clean or if a um, food pa uh, processing facility is cleaning in eight hours, if our equipment can cut that in half in four hours, usually it means that they can produce their food uh, four more hours, right? So they they gain not only on the reduction of the cleaning costs, but the increase in production costs, and that can be pretty substantial these days. And it sounds like there's an ESG sustainability as, uh, aspect to this by using fewer chemicals better for the environment. Yep. Yeah. So uh, more often than not, we're always saving a lot of water. Um, that's a lot of water coming in, which is obviously a cost, but also water going out. Um, so depending on what state you're in, you know, the, the costs of the water treatment uh, oftentimes can be even more than the water coming in. So uh, water, uh, you, chemical, as you mentioned, uh, as well as electricity, steam heating, things like that as well. It must be a massive amount of data that you could be uh, pulling off of the machines that you're using, the environments that they, they're in. What kind of data are your clients interested in coming from your from you? Sure, yeah. So there's um, the big thing is that the, these cleaning systems that we produce, uh, there are a lot of regulatory agencies looking at everything from the food plant to the pharmaceutical plant, making sure that the, the food we eat and the pharmaceuticals we use are safe. Um, so with that, there's a lot of uh, data on the cleaning that needs to be recorded. So things like the time that they clean, the chemical concentrations they use, uh, the temperatures, all of that has to be recorded to make sure that it is appropriate for the cleaning that's going on. Um, so people have done that and do that in various ways, manual, paper uh, records, things like that. Um, but we've developed some software tools uh, to help automate that process so that it is all automatically captured. So we've been doing a lot of uh, automation of the cleaning labor processes over the last couple of decades. And now we're starting to help with the automation of the data recording of that critical cleaning parameters that they have. So I guess you're moving from a, a sense of trust me confidence this is clean to now being able to prove for compliance purposes this is clean. How, how broad an array of cleanliness standards are there in the food versus the biopharma area? Sure, yeah, that's a good question. So 
Uh, we have a saying around here, we, we like to say that clean enough is not clean. So whether you're in food processing or pharmaceutical, you know, if you look at that process taint or that part and there, you know, it's, you say clean enough, that's, that's not the right answer. Um, so, but whether you're in food production or pharmaceutical production, uh, kind of the minimum requirement is obviously a visual clean. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're seeing your process, whether it's pharmaceutical product or, or you know, burnt on uh, brownies residue uh, on that, that piece of tank, uh, that's not clean, right? So visually clean is kind of the first step. Uh, on the food side, we, we did a lot, and there's a lot of uh, regulations around allergens. So allergen testing, uh, dairy, nut allergens, all those kind of things. Uh, food companies will do allergen swabs after they clean to validate that not only it's visually clean, but the allergen residues have gone away. Um, and then as you start to get into the pharmaceutical side, you get into some more biological contamination testing, uh, some more lab-based testing. And, um, you know, th at that point, you can really, you know, it, uh, really prove that it has been cleaned. It's mind-blowing to think about the levels of compliance and reporting that's available now with the data that was previously must have been captured manually. I mean, how did how did you go from making a physical device to try, to becoming a software company? Yeah, so um, you know, like any any uh, product development, it's uh, customer requests. So you know, we we provided the system itself. Uh, people were like you said, either manually paper, you know, someone walking up with a paper chart and recording a temperature gauge way back in the day, uh, to to paper records to starting to do some electronic type data records. Um, and as we got into development, we did some local softwares. So uh, software installed on local computers. Uh, we've since transitioned into cloud-based technologies with, uh, with ThingWorks as part of PTC. And um, there's been a lot of improvements as we transitioned into the cloud, uh, not only just general product development improvements that we've added features, uh, but with the cloud connection, a lot of the insights that we gain is because we as, an, as a manufacturer can help uh, look at their data uh, from a service side. We, you know, we know what's going on. We can help answer questions better. And, um, you know, just simple things like email notifications and text notifications that uh, seem very, you know, day-to-day -day in our uh, personal lives are kind of brand new to a lot of the food processing and pharmaceutical processing. So uh, bringing those features to our customers has been uh, a, a large you know, joy to us, but also a, a big improvement to our customers as well. I'm picturing going from kind of a skunk works operation where a customer said, hey, would you guys be able to help me get data on this machine? T somebody tinkering, trying to figure out how to answer that client's requirement and then turning this into a business. Tell me a little bit about that arc and how you created this division. Yeah, so um, you know, it, it, it started, uh, like we said, just kind of from a, a customer request uh, for, for more of this. We saw the need for the cloud, um, looked, at, looked at different options for us, and um, spent a lot of time developing it. Uh, just you know, from what we knew, we kind of had the background of, of obviously we're cleaning experts, but the cloud technology, um, you know, the security side, all that was new. Uh, so partnering with a company like PTC, uh, developing it off of the, the tools that they provided, uh, it was really helped to expedite that process for us. And you know, we brought our we brought and continue to bring our cleaning expert knowledge. So kind of figuring out what data to grab, we already had a good. A good idea of that, um, but then you know, integrating that into the cloud software side was was the newness to it. So a lot of work was put on that side of it. Uh, you mentioned in their security just briefly. I'd imagine you're connecting to really critical machines. Are your clients very concerned about the security that your software might provide, or perhaps risks that it would entail? 
Yep. Yeah. There's always uh, always really a, a discussion with the IT group. Uh, usually, we we get the ear of the process side, and they really you know like what they're seeing the product and and want want it and want to implement it. Uh, and then the IT group comes in, and we kind of have a discussion on security. Um, you know, just how it's connected, what our what our um, infrastructure is, how we connect, who we partner with. Um, so after we have the discussions, you know, we bring in PTC as needed for uh, the cloud security side, uh, detailed discussions, things like that. But uh, usually, you know, it's uh, uh, for us a lot of this uh, right now, at least, is a one-way data transfer. So we're we're grabbing. There's like you said, there's so much data with our systems. We're grabbing that and burning it and really exposing that to um, you know, our customers' view and, and our view. Um, we're not necessarily doing down, you know, controls of the equipment. So that helps a lot in making sure our customers are, are you know, happy and satisfied that, hey, we, yes, there's always a risk with the you know, internet and, and uh, cloud connection, but it's mitigated a lot with just a one-way data flow. Now, we've spoken about your software. We've talked about you providing information to your customers so they can run their equipment more effectively, get back time for their operations, uh, really uh, be able to prove the level of cleanliness of their equipment for compliance purposes. But let me shift the, the focus a little bit. Are you able to gather data from the machines that you've provided in the field and use any of that information to improve the way you service your clients' premise-based equipment? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the, the core product, the, the core need for our customers is that cleaning uh, compliance data. Um, but both them and us benefit from the all the other data that we gather from it. So um, kind of two groups of that to answer that question. One, on an individual customer side, um, if our service team comes out for whether it's a unplanned call or a planned you know, preventive maintenance call, uh, being able to go online and see all the, you know, whether it's alarms or issues or how that system's been running before we come on site and service it uh, really helps us just you know, know what to expect when we come on site better versus without this product, it's you're kind of walking into a, a you know, just a new environment of you know, who knows what's going on. Um, so on an individual customer basis, I'd say yes, for sure. Uh, stepping back at kind of a higher level on the product development side, our, our product management and applications teams, uh, just seeing what our, what our customers are doing with our systems, how they use it, uh, what kind of alarms are coming up, what temperatures they're running at on an average for cleaning cycles, things like that. That's really invaluable data for us to help translate into the next product development activity, whether it's a new product or an adjustment to existing products and just make improvements uh, for the customers in the future. It's interesting. One of my previous guests was talking about the cost of unused features, where engineers will get together and debate, well, we need this particular feature in this machine, but now the ability to track which features are used has really helped them you know, decide where to take their foot off the gas on features based on utility to the customer. Are you guys in that debate at all? Yeah, we're starting to see, see that type of stuff. So um, we, I think, you know, as, as the manufacturer of the equipment, you're very familiar with your products and you kind of have this you know, vision for how it's used uh, and then it gets out in the field and it gets used a completely different way. So yeah, I think that's, uh, it's definitely gonna be enlightening. And as we go forward with more uh, data sets, we'll, we'll get even more uh, information to adjust how we, um, you know, both, both, uh, both physically build the equipment, like you said at the beginning of the, of the podcast here, you know, we do, we still do a lot of grinding and polishing and welding. Yeah. Um, so we're still building the physical equipment. Uh, but then we we do the automation of the equipment and the, the software side of it now. So it's it's uh, adjusting not only the physical equipment, but the programming side of it as well. You must have to be training a whole new generation of users to use your equipment or training a generation of folks who've been cleaning with your equipment for a long time to use it in different ways. 
What's the future have to, to bear for you and how you'll help enable those users? Yeah, so I, I think um, you know a lot of the new labor market that's coming in that a lot of these companies are, are hiring um, are probably wanting and expecting this type of you know this type of software and features. So you know, hey, I'm, I'm starting at this food processing facility and I'm working with this clean and place system and you know who knows what this is. Um, I'm as a new you know operator, I'm I'm probably these days more comfortable with logging on the computer and grabbing something versus figuring out this you know paper record that that I'm not sure quite happens. Uh, or what happens with it. So um, I, I think there's, you know, we have the advantage that there's a lot of people out there that that know the digital side. So um, it's it's really, I think, catching up to that audience and, and starting then to create additional tools. You know, there's, because now our systems are connected and a lot of the data is there, uh, there's opportunities with augmented reality, uh, tying in things like that uh, for service videos, service videos and things like that as well. Well, I'm sure a lot of our listeners and the folks who will be joining us at LiveWorks will have a lot of ideas of how you could use augmented reality to uh, improve the use of your equipment as well as to improve the service of it. I have a very important question to you. Can you help improve the quality I'm getting, the loading of my dishwasher at home? <laughs> well, uh, I probably can't help with that. That's, that's, <laughs> that's something you'll have to figure out on your own. Uh <laughs> Well, it's it's been fascinating hearing about how an 80-year-old company, you know, that makes, you know, real grassroots types of equipment is now moving into the cyber world and, and the cloud. Uh, do you have any parting comments for us? Um, yeah, we're, we're excited uh, to continue this journey. Um, it's definitely been a, a, an interesting uh, transition for our company. So, you know, going from a manufacturing company into, a, into now, you know, software on top of that manufacturing um, there's a lot of different things to think about, a lot of exciting things to think about. It opens up a, a really a, a big uh, service opportunity as well. So we talked a lot about the products. We talked, we touched on kind of the service opportunity. Um, but I, you know, I, I call, I, I kind of call the product our, our virtual boots on the ground. Mm -hmm. So our service team, obviously, we, we can only get so many people flying across the country, and uh, they're a busy group with uh, being booked up. But having you know this tool that is at my fingertips that I can go check on systems remotely, um, I think that opens up a whole whole branch of new opportunities for for the company and then uh, you know improvements for our customers as well. And I'm sure there are listeners who are interested in in pursuing a path very similar to yours. Uh, is there any big lesson that you learned that you would avoid in the future if you had to do if you had to do over again? Or is there some piece of advice that you'd give somebody getting started, something you did right that you'd rarely recommend? Yeah, um, so as far as doing right, um, I think that we had a really uh, good opportunity because we have we, we knew that need that customer need of data uh, compliance. And we knew that our cleaning site systems provide that data and that they need it. Um, so I think for, for companies looking to do something similar, a recommendation would be to find find that customer need or that pain point and um, and try to, you know, if you're looking at digital transformation solutions, try to find something that fits that versus starting on the digital side and you know, trying to go after something without thinking about the customer need first. Um, so that's something I think we we got right and fortunately was kind of you know put in our lap of, of data compliance. Um, as far as things not to do or, or you know, lessons learned, um, I just don't under, underestimate the, the culture uh, changes that will need to go on within your company. Um, so we're, we're developing this product, but you know our, our sales team needs to know and understand it. Our service team needs to needs to be able to speak to it. Um, 
and and frankly, everyone in the company should know and understand about you know what what's going on with it. So there is a broad uh, cultural transformation that needs to occur with the, these type of products, in addition to the actual uh, development of the product. So, Peter, let me ask you a question. Uh, at some point in time, when you made your first machine, smart and connected. You must have had a choice of whether to build a platform from scratch or whether to use a tool like ThingWorks. What made you decide to go the ThingWorks route rather than building something from scratch? Yeah, I, uh, great question. So I think the development of a from scratch uh, system uh, would have been probably a much longer development period for us. The ThingWorks platform gave us a nice tool base to, to start from. Um, so the development of it, but it's it also is the back end support of it too. Um, so, you know, Santamatic is a manufacturing facility. We don't have uh, ISO data security centers sitting, you know, sitting out back behind the manufacturing area. Uh, so, really having PTC and the uh, security teams and the support teams uh, behind the scenes really lets us focus on, you know, the, the customer uh, viewpoint, the user interface, and, and the product as a whole, and kind of the, the rest of it is, uh, is taken care of. So it really helped actually the process and kind of lay a good front foundation or groundwork for the product. Does this also improve the total cost of ownership that your customers enjoy from the machines they purchase from you? Yeah, I think it allows us to uh, offer the product at a better price point overall uh, because we don't have to have those, uh, those ISO data security centers and all that uh, back end side. So we were able to partner with PTC um, and not only you know, offer it at a lower cost, but also uh, as customers are asking for things like single sign-on uh, and different features like that, we don't have to develop those solutions from scratch. We can re rely on the PTC team to help uh, offer those products who are also constantly working on upgrades and, and new features for, for us to then offer to our customers. And I've got to imagine that by improving the availability of your customers' equipment, either through cleaning faster or reducing downtime in other ways, that's also got to be improving their top line. Yeah, absolutely. So the um, the product, you know, I've, I've mentioned several times the data uh, around the cleaning system is kind of what the customers are, are wanting and needing and, and initially are attracted to. Uh, but operational efficiencies, we've built uh, things like OE tools. Uh, I mentioned the, the email and text notifications. So um, quality to quality team is typically looking at this clean cycle data before this system is released back to production to make more food process or, or pharmaceutical process. Um, so just by improving some of the efficiencies there uh, and reducing that time overall from clean or dirty to, to clean process, um, they can really uh, gain on a lot of efficiencies as part of using the software. Have you run into many of your customers who have tried to develop this capability in-house themselves to be able to put monitors on their, the machines they may have purchased from you or to develop their own uh, big data or OEE systems instead of using yours? Um, yeah, so some customers do have um, uh, software uh, databases and they're collecting a lot of process data them, themselves. Um, that is uh, oftentimes a nice solution. It's a you know, single solution for a lot of their process data. Um, the, the, the missed opportunity that a lot of those processes have is our customers doing it for process systems, clean systems, and they, they might not know or be experts at the individual processes. Um, so the benefit of our product is it, it you know, covers all of the the data you'd ever want and, and uh, OEE calculations I mentioned and things like that uh, are oftentimes really efficiency gains where our customers are maybe not developing those bells and whistles that we offer. And does your customer or you, do you need a lot of IT staff in order to deploy and support the solution? 
Um, no, uh, not not a huge amount. And, and again, that's back to uh, using PTC as our as our backbone, as our foundation. Um, so we're taking care of you know our products, our environment, um, the data of our customers, and that. But a lot of the backend structure of IT support, um, you know, updates, things like that, is hap is is occurred uh, occurs offline with us, and, and PTC takes care of that. Well, fantastic! I'm glad we're serving you well. And I can rest easy now when I go take that uh, drink of milk and know that it's been properly cared for in its production and it's safe to drink. Yep, absolutely. So, Peter, thanks so much. It's been really fascinating to hear the, the history of your company and how you're braving the new world with such success. I want to thank everyone for joining us. Speaking of service, have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Speaking of Service podcast brought to you by PTC. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a rating or review. And be sure to check out other episodes to hear new perspectives on improving life for aftermarket professionals, service teams, and the customers they support. If you have a topic of interest or want to provide feedback, email us at speakingofservice at ptc.com or visit us at ptc.com slash speakingofservice.